It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 400 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, October 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, make sure you are checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, we've got Locked On... Uh, NFL shows for all 32 NFL teams. We've got the Locked On College shows going strong as well. We're into week eight or something of college football. I don't know, but it's happening, and everyone's talking about it on my timeline today. So make sure you're finding the corresponding Locked On College show to the program that you care about most. And uh, some big news as well. There's going to be a couple of recurring guests on Locked On NBA each week. Ben Golliver and Sam Amick. Golliver, of course, of SI. Sam Amick, now of The Athletic are going to be weekly guests on the Locked On NBA podcast. I believe Tuesdays and Thursdays, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there, but uh, keep an eye out on the Locked On NBA feed for next week with Sam Amick and Ben Golliver starting their weekly appearances on the podcast. Lots of good stuff happening on the network right now. And if you find a show on the network that you like, please subscribe to it. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very, very helpful. And we will also be launching, or we may have already launched, LockedOnPodcast.com which is a great hub for all of the Locked On shows. If you are interested in a given team, that's the place to go to find the show and, and the, the hosts that you want to check out. It's a, it's a great resource, so keep that in mind as well. LockedOnPodcast.com. 
All right, let's get to today's show. Uh, there's, I guess, a game to talk about. The Raptors beat the Boston Celtics 113-101 in a freaking awesome game. I, a little bit of full disclosure, I missed the first half of the game, or I was late to start the game because I was working at McMaster, and I got home and just put the game on. I didn't look at my phone for like three hours. I just watched the game straight through, no commercials. It was one of the best game-watching experiences I've had in a long time because I'm always dicking around on my phone, and I should stop doing that because, man, this was a great game, and I didn't want to miss a second of it. And uh, to talk about it, someone who was there on behalf of The Athletic and Raptors Republic and North Pole Hoops and Sportsnet and all the goddamn places you write, it's Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well, man. Uh, Really fun game, as you said. Um, I think we saw some of the issues... Uh, that might carry over throughout the course of the season, but I think the big thing that stands out is the way the Raptors were able to close the game, um, the way Kawhi took over in the third quarter, um, and you know he's made it very clear that this is his team. Uh, that's what you see from the best players in the league, um, and frankly, he looks like he's at eighty percent, and <laughs> you know he's he's getting thirty-one and ten against you know what's supposed to be the best. Uh, one of the best defenses in the league and you know really encouraging signs uh, for this early in the season no kidding uh, just let's start with the positive stuff we'll get to the negative stuff later but the positive stuff is the overwhelming takeaway I think from this game because coming in I mean you, you would have been I think justified to be a little apprehensive about going up against the Celtics Boston obviously is working in two guys of their own who missed large chunks of last season but they're still a very fine-tuned machine with a, a deep roster and sort of a lot of continuity with the coach and things like that. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't have been wrong to predict the Celtics to win this one. But the Raptors came out, they kind of had a rough first quarter. I guess for the most part it wasn't so bad, but then they got to the full bench unit, which I think we'll talk about in the negative section uh, later in the show. And, you know, other than that first quarter, they really kind of took it to the Celtics and kind of kept clawing away you know the Celtics would pull away a little bit whenever the Raptors got close and then the Raptors just kind of made their way back in and then that burst at the end of the game where just Kawhi and Kyle and Danny Green all just kind of took over it was something else like that chase down block I mean I could watch that shit a hundred times over I already have watched it a hundred times over it's incredible what is your sort of biggest overall positive takeaway from this game though my biggest uh, overall positive I think will be the Serge Ibaka minutes yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought he was great. Uh, early on, he struggled a bit with uh, the pick and pop. I wasn't really getting out to Al Horford, but he really gave the, the Raptors some offense when they needed it in that first half. It mm-hmm. uh, was consistent with his jumper. Um, that's something you expect, to be honest. Uh, he was, he's been one of the best uh, mid-range bigs the last few seasons. Uh, struggled in the first game, but it was nice to see Nick Nurse talk about all the other things he did and that encourages you to make sure you're still doing those things and just trust that the shot would fall and that's exactly what happened in this game he was still doing uh the other things like rim protection honestly as much as al horford got in the pick and pop early he didn't really get much uh on post-ups so that was a good sign uh again the rim protection was there um and yeah, his scoring, you know, 21 points on 10 of 14 shooting, that's what you need. Uh, and his energy late in the game was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, that sequence where he got the, I think, three offensive rebounds in a row, um, really unlucky, his short hook didn't fall. Um, 
but that's exactly the type of Serge Ibaka that you need. And you know, everyone's been saying in theory that you know when you run the four, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry with the three wings, and you go with Serge Ibaka at the five to get that added sort of versatility and flexibility. Uh, that this is the type of Serge Ibaka that you need. And yeah, I think I think you know, over the course of the season, you expect Kawhi to be Kawhi, um, and then. Kyle Lowry is playing like you know Kalo, uh, like everything that you expect, um, and yeah. Besides that, uh, I probably put Danny Green next in line um, with everything that he's been doing the last couple of games. Yeah, Danny Green's been insane. It it remains absurd that they got him in that trade. I know it was like a salary yeah. matching thing, I think, but still, like, good lord, just so so good and so perfectly fitting in between Kyle and 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 Kawhi who. You know, they're higher usage guys, and you you just have Danny Green there to defend his ass off, and, like, my God, did he ever do that. There was a couple possessions where I think they subbed Danny Green in for Norm Powell late in the, it's like the late third quarter, early fourth, where they had that bench unit out there. And it was kind of struggling. It was the same unit that kind of struggled at the end of the first. You put uh, Green in for, for Powell, and there were a couple possessions where they just shut the Celtics down entirely. There was, I think, one where they gave up a couple offensive rebounds. It, was, it ended up being, like, a 40-second defensive possession. But they still stood strong. Green stuck with a couple drives and, def- and and forced you know kickouts and stuff like that and resets and like his upgrade defensively on what the Raptors have had in that spot over the last few years between CJ and Demar and even Norm like it's it's so remarkable that he's even on this team and it's just it's it's just such a, a stark upgrade. It's kind of really startling to watch. Um, yeah, Nick Nurse noted yeah. how you know he might not be the quickest guy up and down the court yeah. but laterally he's so good yeah i mean you know it, it, when jason tatum tried to shake him uh, gordon hayward tried to shake him um you know I, I think if anything i remember Kyrie maybe getting him a couple times but Kyrie's gonna get everyone um so yeah that value that he brings um as a two-way player the threes are falling and <coughs> i think the biggest thing with him you know, you look at the shot he took when Al Porfer takes the three uh, with about three minutes remaining to cut the lead to two. That's a big moment because you got to come back and respond. Mm-hmm. And for him to make that read where Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward miscommunicated on the switch and run across the court to get to the other corner for an open three. Mm-hmm. And there was no hesitation. That shot, I mean, <laughs> we've, we, I think we, we've talked for years now about role guys not really wanting the moment in a Raptors uniform um, for him to just be right there and take it that's so encouraging for the Raptors and you know that's the type of thing other role players will sort of you know learn from as well and be ready for their moment yeah absolutely and I like that sort of this roster is now kind of cleansed of all the role players who kind of were sort of poisoned by that fear I suppose and now even the guys that they have, like Fred Van Vliet's not scared of anything. I know he missed a couple shots at, at the end of game one against the Cavs last year, but I don't think he's scared to do stuff. Um, right. Even Miles had a couple like big balls moments last year in the playoffs. And so like a lot of those guys who kind of have dogged the end of the roster and have been concerns in clutch situations in the past are not really there anymore. And yeah, Danny Green, like this is an almost finals MVP. Like it's... Yeah. The the experience like can't really be undersold there. I know experience in like you know the championship pedigree or maybe sort of oversold at times, but I think it actually kind of matters with him. 
Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Um, back to the starting five just for a second in Ibaka. Ibaka played 34 minutes in this one. Okay. Uh, Pascal started as well. He had 18 minutes. He, I thought Pascal was... A little bit out of control in this one. His handle, it's yeah. weird. Sometimes his handle looks crazy tight, and then other times it looks like he can't even decide which hand he wants to dribble with. And yeah. that was kind of what we saw last night. But still, even when that happens, you still have a couple plays where he had one sort of swooping, driving layup from the top. And on, like I think two of my favorite plays from him, actually one of my favorite plays from the Raptors in general, is the Siakam in the right corner taking it to his left and swooping in for that little push shot. Like uh-huh. It seems pretty hard to guard, and he's got that push shot down pat. So I, I'm not too concerned about his game last night. Missed his two threes, and you know we'll see how that develops. But um, like it's not like he doesn't have energy out there. I just thought maybe he could kind of rein it in a little bit, and that would be that would benefit. A little too sure. spicy. Yeah, a little too spicy. You know, dial it down. You don't need the. Uh, oh God, what the hell's the? What's the what's the what's the rating thing for the 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 spice level? What's the what's the scale called? Oh God, what's it called? Come on, come on. Come on. Uh, I think you're the Scoville on. scale. That's it. The go. Scoville scale. That should be like a, a weekly column someone writes. I might have to do that. Scoville the scale. Pascal Scoville scale? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just how spicy was all of it. Um, so what did you yeah, think I of... Mean, there were a couple yeah. of possessions where Pascal, um, especially early on, you know, it, I, I think it was right at the arc where he tried to spin move and just turned it over. Um, and, you know, those are the things that, that you might be able to do in preseason and summer league, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's winning time now. So... Mm. Um, I think those are the things that you talked about that he'll have to rein in. Um, I think the one thing that is valuable with him, though, is for a big guy, is his low center of gravity, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people talk about how once he gets ahead of steam, he's so so much quicker than all the other bigs. But I like that he has that hesitation to his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what throws a lot of bigs off as well, because a lot of times with bigs... Uh, when they start to slow slow down, you're almost anticipating that handoff, or you know them just looking to pass it over to a guard. And and that layup that you talked about, where he literally went coast to coast, um, that was you know semi transition, uh, and I think it was the hesitation that caused it. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the starting five. What did you think of the uh, decision to? go with Ibaka at center. Obviously, Nick Nurse is going to play the matchups the entire season, and like they pretty much just matched Valanciunas with Baines. Uh, Baines played 15 minutes, Jonas just played 14. Um, and I think that's going to happen, right? Like, if Nick Nurse is going to play the matchups like this, first of all, I think it's going to translate to maybe more regular season wins than we've given it credit for, like, this whole, you know, the, the idea of, like, mixing, mixing and matching and not running out set lineups. 
you know, I think maybe the prevailing wisdom was that, you know, that's going to cost them games because they're playing guys who are unfamiliar with each other. But at the same time, if Nurse is really sort of zeroing in on those matchups, then that might milk out a couple extra points that leads to a few extra wins as well. Um, and I think that, you know, Valanciunas was a victim of that last night with just 14 minutes played. But did you agree with the decision to start Ibaka? And, you know, how often do you think we're going to see Ibaka start? Because, like, I don't know if there are that many teams that kind of replicate what the Celtics do where it might necessitate Ibaka playing the lion's share of minutes at center. Yeah, I agreed uh, with Ibaka starting in this matchup. Um, I think last season as well, uh, there were times where the Raptors actually had Ibaka pick up Horford full court because uh, Horford is so great at seeing the floor and running the Celtics offense so they had him pick him pick him up and sort of take away that vision not allow him to even get a look up right mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's something that he adds and then uh, uh, as I mentioned before he'll have to get better with the pick and pop um, he's sort of dropping a bit too much which is part of the scheme but yeah. uh, you know he's got he's, he's got to recognize um, that it's Al Horford uh, so yeah I agree with him starting in this matchup um, how many games will he start like this uh, you anticipate that you know if Saric is at the four for Philly that uh, he'll match up with Embiid um, as well so but outside of that no there's not too many teams uh, that will go with you know the wings at the four so yeah I wouldn't expect him to start too many games mm-hmm. Um but you can definitely see him being more suited uh, for the playoffs. This this being the five for the playoffs, maybe um, maybe you get OG in there instead of Siakam, mm-hmm. uh, depending on who the four is. Um, but other than that, uh, I think this is a pretty solid playoff playoff five for those lineups with you know the wings at fours. Yeah, OG closed the game, if I recall, and just a little side note on him. Like, I think he looks really good. I think his burst kind of looks uh, at a level it was never at last season as he was coming back from the injury, and I know that's mm-hmm. kind of been played up, but, like, he had a couple plays where he kind of caught the ball around the elbow and just kind of burst it to the rim, um, which is really nice to see. He's shooting well. It's, he's, four, he's one of three from deep, but still, I, th- I think his shooting's going to be just fine, and... Uh, I like the idea of OG closing games. I think his kind of control and maybe lack of sort of pioneering spirit when it comes to commandeering the offense compared to Siakam. Like, I think that works for Siakam in a lot of situations. And honestly, is why I kind of like him with playing with the bench, too, is because there's not as much sort of dynamism in the bench unit in terms of, like, guys creating with the ball in their hands. But if you have OG out there... Yeah, the, the bench could definitely use some spice. It could amp up the Scovilles from something like a you know, habanero up to like a ghost pepper or something like that. Um, but with the starters, maybe that spice is a little less needed, and OG can kind of be a little sour cream to throw in there. And then, you know, OG just kind of complements, I think, what the, the, the closing lineup with Fred and Kyle and or, or, or Danny Green, I guess, uh, instead of Fred, which is what happened late last night after Nurse made that switch. Um, I think that kind of complements that a little bit better. It offers a bit more of a reliable presence on defense, I suppose, and just a bit more of a reliable catch-and-shoot guy, too. So um, I like the way Nurse has gone about deploying OG so far and still getting him a lot of run despite not starting the first two games, even though I do think he will start at some point. Maybe this is just a way... Maybe Nurse knows he wants to close with OG and he's sort of limiting the minutes he has and sort of um, you know spreading it around a little bit by starting Siakam. I don't, I don't really know what his thought process that is there. Um, 
one last thing. What did you think of the decision late in the game to put Danny Green in in place of Fred in that closing lineup? Because it seemed like it was sort of a, a response to the Celtics having both Rozier and Irving out there. But how did you did you think that was like a difference maker in the game, or were the Raptors going to pull away with it anyway? Um, you know, I, th- I think I think again it was a matchup advantage thing. I think just because of the way. Uh, Danny Green can defend mm-hmm. uh, the chemistry that he has with Kawhi on the wings. Uh, it, it, you know, if there ever needed to be a switch there, um, I think that's something that helps. And then, obviously, we talked about the poise he has on the offensive end and being a willing contributor. Um, Van Vliet's obviously perfectly capable of doing that as well. Um, but I think in this situation, it was fine. It paid off. Um, and one of the things that Danny Green did mention. Uh, after the game, outside of all the positive stuff about his shooting and blocking, mm-hmm. was the fact that Nurse had a conversation with him uh, about getting to those long rebounds on the threes, uh, mm-hmm. and, and sort of making sure that after the contest, that you know the Raptors aren't just uh, watching. Because um, I, I felt a few too many times they were so focused on boxing out that it was like, okay, my guy's here, it's cool. And then the ball's almost even taken a bounce uh, before someone gets to it. So, um, you know, box out and then get to the ball. So uh, I think that, I think the decision was fine. Van Vliet, maybe, um, maybe he didn't trust his size in terms of rebounding to close out possessions, yeah. knowing that you need all five to sort of gang rebound in those situations. Uh, and maybe that's why he went with it. But uh, I thought it paid off. And I'm sure there'll be other nights where Van Vliet's the right option. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, how concerned are you about the rebounding? Because I was going to bring this exact thing up, the long rebounds. It was almost like they forgot that the Celtics take a bunch of threes and they were rebounding as if the, the rebounds were going to be short and easy to grab. And... Are you concerned about this kind of being a bigger issue? It was like kind of a concern in the first game as well. Um, do you like? I guess it makes sense in theory if Ibaka is playing 34 minutes and Jonas is only playing 14. You know, you're you're obviously trading off rebounding there for a couple of the things that Ibaka offers that JV doesn't. But like, are you are you confident enough in like the other guys in Leonard and Green and Lowry to be able to sort of? eventually sort of fill in those gaps rebounding wise and have it not be such an issue that nearly cost them you know the way it did last night it's a concern but it's a very fixable concern yeah um because the two things you have to look at with the raptors is the fact that 
playing with the two bigs uh, for the majority of last season, uh, you could kind of depend on those two guys to carry the load on the defensive glass. Kyle Lowry was doing a good job as well. Um, and, and now you're going more, uh, with small lineups more often. Uh, and then the other thing is Kawhi and Danny, they're also very used to playing with two bigs in San Antonio. So I think this is an adjustment period. I think it's going to take some time. Um, and again, uh, you look at the mistakes that they're making with regards to the rebounding. They're doing the uh, half of it, right? They're, they're doing the boxing out. Mm-hmm. Um but then the ball is just sort of leaking out and they're not really going after it. Uh, so that's the aspect that they need to fix. Uh, they're already having conversations about it. Uh, Norm was another guy that Nurse spoke to about uh, you know, using his quickness. Uh, he said, he, he, I thought he made a good point that the Celtics uh, were beating them on the glass with their speed, not their size. And uh, you know, it was just a question of getting to the ball. So I think... Um, the most encouraging part is obviously that they're able to get stop after stop after stop um but uh yeah these are very fixable things you look at the size uh again the versatility the flexibility that they have um as long as they're able to consistently box out and then finish uh and stay focused on getting the ball after they've done that then i think they'll be okay uh but for now yeah it's a concern that you want to see it get better yeah, and Kawhi's a good-ass rebounder. I think that'll help things as well. I, I, it's kind of curious. We haven't really seen any Kawhi at the four, or as, like, the obvious four. I guess between him and OG, it's kind of interchangeable. But right. uh, I wonder if we'll see, like, a, like a, a closing lineup that interests me if you want to try to have the best of both worlds in terms of Fred's ball handling and Danny's defenses. Like, Kyle, Fred, Green, Leonard, and then either a Baca or a Valanciunas at center. I'm kind of curious to see what that might look like, but... That, I guess, yeah. we'll have to wait to see. Maybe they can test it out against the bum-ass Wizards tonight. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we wrap up. The bench unit, not super awesome. The end of the first quarter was a little bit hairy, and then I think the end of the third as well, although their defense kind of got them through it. Is this just, like, do you think DeLon Wright will just fix all the ills of the bench when he's back, or is there a concern there? Like, C.J. Miles, just one of six. Norm was just one of five. Both of those guys have been kind of disappointing, and... Honestly, I'm not shocked because it feels like if anyone's roles are being squeezed, I mean, Norm's role was already squeezed, but Miles' role, as I kind of predicted before the season, I do think it's kind of being, his minutes are being shaved in lieu of other guys. And I, I can't blame Nignors for doing it because the other guys don't have the one glaring end of the floor where they're not good like Miles does. But still, I, it's it's a little concerning. The go-daddy curse is undefeated, apparently. Um, yeah. Are you concerned about the bench, or do you think that will work itself out when DeLong comes back? I, I'm not too concerned about the bench right now. I think Nurse has obviously talked about experiments and, and getting as many looks at as many different lineups as possible. Um, you know, you look at Jonas Valanciunas, uh, I, thought, I thought he struggled in this one, didn't sort of come out with the intensity right away, and, you know, Al Horford blew by, right by him for an N one dunk uh, as soon as he entered the game and it was a step slow on that so um, I think it's just a question of getting used to guys I think it's uh, you know Nurse talking a lot about wanting to get a lot of different guys comfortable with playing with each other it's not just going to be you know the bench mob uh, plus you know whoever fills in for Bertle this season you know um, they're going to figure out uh, different lineups, try different things, let it fail. You know, you mentioned them struggling in the first half. 
but he still went back to it in the second half and they were actually able to keep the game uh, tied. They didn't really lose anything. Um, so even though it was ugly, it was definitely ugly, uh, but they were able to do that. So those incremental improvements, giving lineups a chance to figure it out as opposed to just running them out there for three, four minutes and saying, oh, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, this is a loaded roster. So if you really believe that, you should trust them to also uh, at least give them a shot to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I'm not concerned now. I think we'll see a bunch of different lineups over the first, you know, whatever it may be, uh, 20, 30 games. Maybe he'll take it all the way through the season and have as much information available to him as possible for the playoffs so uh no i'm not i'm not too concerned i think it's about getting it right for the playoffs in terms of uh the lineup uh rotations Uh, so no not not too concerned yeah i think the issues we saw last night are kind of tied to you know the idea that you know Jonas has never really been like an obvious fit with the bench it's always kind of been a thing that people have called for but when you think about it in terms of how he fits identity-wise with how that bench unit typically likes to play. And it's not the same group of guys as usual, so it's hard to even really judge that because Siakam's starting and DeLon's out. But, you know, that bench likes to run and play defense and get offense off of its defense, and Jonas doesn't really play into that style very much. And so I'm not surprised that as they, you know, are in the infancy of those minutes together, that that's still a bit of a work in progress. And the thing about this Raptors team is that they can have those minutes where things don't go well with a bench unit that's more, more experimental than anything, and they're still going to be able to overcome it because, holy shit, they're really good. And, I don't know, the prevailing thing for me last night was, one, I feel like Kyle Lowry's being kind of... When you're comparing the two rosters, it feels like people are talking like it's Ka- Kawhi at the top and then the next like three or four players are all Celtics. And I think that's pretty unfair to Kyle Lowry, and I don't know where exactly he fits in in the hierarchy of the players in this matchup, but... My God, he's so good and so effective when he's on the court and just so impactful in every realm of the game between taking charges. Like, obviously, he's taking charges in clutch moments. Like, of course he's doing that shit. He, his playmaking still is incredible. The rebounding's there. The shooting, he's a 91 true shooting percentage through two games. Like, I don't know exactly where he ranks among players in this matchup, but I think it's a lot higher than maybe people are giving him credit for. And... The thing that I came away with watching last night is whenever Kyle and Kawhi were on the court together, I, I, was, I, was, I just felt confident the Raptors were going to win those minutes. And that might not have been mathematically true the entire time. I'd have to go back and check. But they were both, they were plus 17 and 18 respectively. And they, it, it just felt like they drove the play whenever they were on the court. And that's going to happen with this team, man. Like You're going to be able to have those two on the court and it's going to be a trump card for most opponents in the league aside from like two or three teams maybe. So... Um, that's uh, something to rest easy with and you know think about at night. It's very nice and, uh, and happy for sure. Uh, any parting shots before we wrap this thing up, Vivek? Uh, just to touch on your point about Lowry, um, you know, I, I think we all know that if uh, these two teams do end up meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, if Kawhi and Lowry are the two best players in the series. Uh, Boston don't really ha- have a shot. Mm-hmm. So um, you expect Kyrie to get better as the season progresses. You expect Gordon Hayward to get better as uh, the season progresses. Um, again, it's game two of 82. Uh, it's it's a lot easier to take away from it when you win um, as, as opposed to when you lose. So um, encouraging signs. Uh, how good do you expect Kyle Lowry to be? 
it, again, he has the potential to be the second best player in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think uh, you look at Kyrie's playoff resume; you would still have to give him his due. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the twenty-year-old uh, he can, he can wait in line. <laughs> yeah, Jason Young, Kobe Tatum. Yeah, uh, sixteen points on sixteen shots, baby, with five turnovers. Uh, I I've been preaching that I, I've and been OG hoping... shutting him down a couple times. Hell yeah! And also he and got blocked twice on one shot. shot, twice <laughs> on one shot. I hope that that's the kind of shit that can break a man's spirit for an entire season, maybe a career. I don't know. Is Jason Tatum's career over after that? Very well, could be. Um, the, the the Kobe poisoning with him all season is going to be something I'm keeping an eye on because it's really fun for me to think that the Celtics and their fans are so excited about this team and yet their shining light, their future best player, hangs out with a Laker of all people, a notoriously selfish Laker, and it poisons them from the inside. That that would just be too too poetically perfect for me uh, to even <laughs> handle. So I, I'm really pulling for that to be the case. Um, also, though, like this was a really fun game, and I'm down for more of these games. It was uh, like enthralling start to finish, and I again I watched it without looking at my phone, and I didn't even have like an urge to look at my phone. I was just so just engaged with the game. It was so great, and I, yeah, I'm man, down for shout out to the Raptors fans because yeah, I I had my headphones on for most of the night just because of the game ops, <laughs> but obviously towards the end I took them off and. It was unbelievable. It was it was a playoff game. Um, I mean, especially you know when Lowry hits that three, or when they when they get the double block, when Lowry hits the fadeaway mm-hmm. uh, to seal it. They, yeah, they, I mean these fans. I think they know what's up. Uh, I think they know how good this team can be, and they got a little taste of it on Friday night. Absolutely, um, Vivek. Where can people get a little taste of your work? Uh, Sportsnet, The Athletic, Raptors Republic, and once in a while at Vice Sports as well. Right on. Uh, you can find my stuff at uh, Woodley Sean on Twitter mostly. Vivek is at Vivek M. Jacob, by the, by the way, as well. Follow Vivek. He needs more followers. He's very good at his job. Um, and also, also has a, like a fire new profile pic in which... Uh, he makes me feel significantly less handsome. So check that out. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, also go to my Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors. I'm going to have a uh, Patreon column either today or tomorrow, probably tomorrow. I'm going to break down the uh, Sportsnet season preview video that is like going viral this morning on the internet. It's uh, It's fun. I like it a lot. There's a lot of depth in it and a lot of stuff to dive into, but it's a a very good video. So I'm going to do a little frame-by-frame breakdown of that on my Patreon page. If you subscribe, you will get access to that. And uh, I really do appreciate anyone who's already donated. And if you are planning on donating in the future, I can promise you there's going to be a lot of good stuff as well. I'm going to be doing a podcast tomorrow that will come up probably Monday or Tuesday with Joe Wolfond, who... Uh, really, really wanted to be on the podcast where we talk about 2005, 2006, Mike James. So we are going to do just that and talk about 2005, 2006, Mike James in depth. And uh, that'll be up earlier in the week, as well as this Patreon column about the Sportsnet preview video. So thanks in advance for subscribing and checking that stuff out. 
Find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all the places you get your podcasts. It's very helpful if you leave a rating or a review. And uh, thanks to everyone who's done it. We have like 135 ratings now. And if we get some more of those, get to 150, that would be super, super cool. It's been a very good week for the podcast, one of our most listened to weeks ever. So thanks for everyone who's listening. If you're a new listener, thank you for taking the leap and checking out the podcast. And I hope you're around for the long haul because uh, we got a lot of good stuff coming up. And uh, I'm happy to have you all along for the ride. And Vivek, we will have you along for the ride at some point next week as well. Uh, we'll figure out a time to do another podcast next week. But until then... Uh, We will uh, say goodbye. Have a good weekend, everybody. And we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.